0: Everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kemmock with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today's Tuesday, June 16th. I can't believe it, but the month of June just seems to be powering its way out of here. <laughs> I just want to say, hey. And thank you so much, everybody, for joining me. We have an interesting topic to talk about this morning, and it is the fact that the Michigan governor, who is a Democrat, has signed into law a bill expanding a current testing that the Michigan State Police began in October 2017 that now allows them to expand that roadside testing to include testing for drugs. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that this morning and what are the ramifications in the era of George Floyd, in the era of police reform, in the era of police violence and reducing police brutality and reducing police contact with black people, minorities, but in particular black people. How does this become relevant? How could the governor who purports to be a supporter of black people, I'll sign a bill into law that endangers the very existence of black people by contributing to the ongoing fracas between the black community and the police it's crazy what's what happens isn't it it's totally crazy so i i encourage you to participate in this this morning i want to hear what you guys have to say if you have anything to say and uh, what what it means. So I read the, the, the full report. It's found, by the way, I posted the link already. It's found on the WWJ News site. It's part of the CBS uh, media uh, network here in the Metro Detroit area. So you might want to go read that. But what's interesting about this bill is that it was co-signed by a Republican. It was sponsored by a Republican. So what, this is what we refer to as systemic racism. It's system-wide. It's an ideology and a belief. It's sponsored by a Republican, and the governor signed it into law. Now, the community where the uh, the, the Republican gentleman who signed it, his name is uh, Senator McG- McGregor, Peter McGregor. He's a Republican from uh, state senator, Peter McGregor. He's a Republican from Rockford, Michigan. They don't have black people living there. So why would he be interested in a bill like this? Obviously, it's tar- if it's statewide, in all 83 counties of Michigan, if it's statewide, it is naturally going to target minorities and black people in particular. Crazy stuff. Did you all watch the uh, Rayshard Brooks' interview last, last week, uh, yesterday on uh, CNN? Did you see the family? Uh, the family had a press conference yesterday with their attorneys, and it was rather disturbing to watch. Uh, it was very painful because we're publicly watching another black family being torn apart by police violence that has afflicted them. And uh, I just want to say that uh, here in Detroit, a police chief from Detroit was on CNN just a few minutes ago. I didn't get to hear his comments because I'm a mother and I have to attend to my daughter who uh, brought something to my attention. But... I believe I know the chief's heart when it comes to the city of Detroit and the residents of Detroit. He is not mean-spirited, and he wants the best for his community. And he is one of those police officers who engages in neighborhood policing extensively. He practices what he preaches, and he engages the community. He's not anti-people. If the people bring a concern to him, he's going to listen to you, and he's going to follow through with it. That's the current police chief we have in Detroit. Uh, We've had a history since uh, the early 80s of police chiefs who empathize with the community. And so Chief Craig, I believe, just carries on the legacy. So we don't have, you've noticed that you don't see that kind of negative contact and negative messaging coming out of Detroit policing. It's because they try to engage with the community. Now, we're not always happy with them. I'm not always happy with them. But when I'm not happy, and when we're not happy, is when they ask us, well, how can we change? How can we improve? What do you want to see? And that's what we want to happen. The police sometimes in other communities, they act as if they're their own body. They're their own government. They have their own country. The community that they police is their own kingdom and fiefdom. They're out of control. They believe that they should do whatever they want to do. I was listening to the commentary on CNN this morning and the International Brotherhood of Police uh, issued a statement about the Rayshard Brooks killing and said they don't think the officer should be penalized. They don't think the officer did anything wrong and they're just responding to political pressure. Can you believe it? A man lost his life who was trying to get away from the police. He didn't rob a bank, he didn't kill anybody. He wasn't even obstructing traffic on a freeway. But you shot him in his back and killed him. And the officer has a history, has had citizen complaints against him. And the International Brotherhood of Police sanctioned that. It's as if the police are saying to us, the public, we are our own kingdom. We can do whatever we want to do whenever we feel like it. To whomever we feel like. And we should. So they believe in the past. They've had political support. From politicians. So they had free reign. And now. They believe they should not be questioned. Are you listening to me? So I just want to say to all of you. When it is your turn. And the police turn up the pressure. On your communities. You better be prepared for it. Because they're gonna come at you the same way they've been coming at black people for decades, untethered, unfettered, with all access, and without any form or any fear of reprisal. They're gonna come at you all just the same because they are out of control. The police has to recognize that they respond to somebody. Who do you respond to? Do you respond to the community who pays your salaries? Because it's the taxes that we pay in city and county taxes that account for their salaries. Your salaries come out of city budgets. Instead of putting money into social services, we pay salaries to policing and for police to have the mechanisms that they tell us they need to solve crime. And yet, crime is still on the rise. Children are still being taken from their households Children are still dancing in strip clubs, children are still performing sex acts on adults, men are still beating up women, people are being killed left, right, and center, drugs are still on the street, and guns are still on the street, yet the police tell us they need more money to fight crime. The police are a law and order to them, to their own selves. Listen to me very carefully. We live in a police state. You don't believe me? It's going to be your turn next. When they turn it up on you and they show up at your door because they believe you're running a meth factory in your house. When they believe that you're a pull, pill pusher, they will show up. And they're going to treat you with the same disregard that they treat the rest of us. So if you think you can pat them down like a friendly dog like Pavlov and you can pat them down and place a phone call and tell them an African-American man is black man is threatening me wait until it's your turn and you have to call them on you the police are totally out of control they think that they are their own law and order they can do whatever they want to do they don't have to talk they don't have to listen to anybody the police are not the top law enforcement uh, agency in the country like it is in most jurisdictions the u.s attorney Is the top law enforcement for that jurisdiction. The attorney general for the state is the top law enforcement. You would never believe that if you have ever had an encounter with the police. The police act like they're God and you should line up and do exactly what they say. They don't believe anything is wrong with what they did to Richard Brooks. They don't believe anything is wrong with kneeling on George Floyd's neck, killing Sandra Bland in custody, shooting Breonna Taylor seven times in her sleep. They don't believe that. They believe that they are right in doing what they do. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? I believe that some of the funds that the police are getting to serve their pensions Because according to them, they're putting their life on the line. My life is on the line every time I walk out of my house. If I have an encounter with the police, I guarantee you it's not going to go in the direction that's going to save my life. I guarantee you of that. Years ago, I was told that if I ever get pulled over by the cops, never open your trunk if he asks to search your vehicle. First of all, he needs a warrant to do that. But then they have something called probable cause. They can say they suspect you have drugs on them. Then they plant the damn drugs on you and your life is dragged through misery. The police has too much power. We need to redistribute the funds that they're given and provide more social services. And I don't believe in this manifesto, this wild manifesto that people are floating around that the police say they're overtired, they're overtaxed. No, they're well paid. That's a job that they signed up for, that they get paid for. They probably earn more than the bead soldier in the army. What does he get? And he goes overseas to face enemy fire. Enemy fire. Notice What you face over here? The people you're pulling over like me? So now, now we come to this point where instead of removing some of the power from the police, we're giving them more power. What's the story here, Governor Whitmer? I thought you were into citizens... And into the fact that people can talk to you. How is it that right now, the governor of Michigan has signed a bill into law that has expanded a pilot program that the state police has that will now include drugged testing. You heard me, drug, D-R-U-G, G-E-D, drugged testing. That means people who are driving while drugged. So according to what it says, officers who are trained as drug recognition experts. I didn't know police officers could be trained as drug recognition experts. I thought you had to at least have a chemistry background or some background in science. Right. So these folks are going to be the ones who pull you over and they're going to swab your mouth. And they're going to use their testing uh, paraphernalia to determine if you have drugs. Now, according to the state police, the drugs they're looking for are marijuana, meth, heroin, and cocaine. So I'm driving down the street. My doctor had given me codeine 800 for migraines or I'm taking antidepressants it's gonna show up here in this. Your drug recognition experts are gonna be able to distinguish between uh, meth, heroin, and cocaine from antidepressants and painkillers. So my doctor, I just had surgery. I mentioned and did dental work or maybe it's back pain or joint pain. I'm an athlete, I run. And I am taking that so when you do your drug testing and it shows up, you're going to lock me up. Okay, what is this? So I'm asking Governor Whitmer, because I know they watch, what is this all about? We're giving the police more power to hurt more black people. Is this really what it is? Is this a way of extension? This bill, by the way, was introduced by a Republican from Rockford, Michigan. So if you go look up the demographics, you find there are no black people there. So he sponsors a bill because according to them, there's been a 30% spike in people driving drug. People have been smoking weed forever (laughs) and have been snorting cocaine forever. And you just noticed there's a 30% spike in people driving drug. Who are you kidding? Hasn't cocaine been around since the eighties? And, and crack been around since the late 70s. So how come all of a sudden you just noticed a 30% spike in people driving, drugged? Where did that come from? Who are you kidding? What, what, how did you manufacture that statistic? See, these are the questions that journalists don't ask because journalists, it, I don't think it's about keeping their job. Most journalists are white, so they don't see this within the context of it being overly, uh, um, uh, uh, penal towards blacks. They don't see it that way because they're looking at the cops who are answering the questions and they're looking at the governor and they're like, that does not apply to me because you wouldn't send the police on me. You are not going to, because we are the same color. But for you and I, am I couldn't be sitting in this press conference and I don't ask this kind of question. That's why I'm not a journalist because I'm going to ask this question and nobody's going to be able to answer it. Because I guarantee you, when the governor next comes to Detroit and people start asking this question, she's not gonna be able to answer it either. Why would you give the state police more power than they already have to pull people of color over? So I have dot people, y'all have children. Everybody has children who drive. My daughter has a headache or she's having cramps or something and takes a pill and is going to visit a friend or they're coming from a friend's house because they don't go to clubs anymore because everything is shut down, right? And you're going to pull my kid over and subject her to a drug test because, and then you're going to find that she just took some Tylenol 400 for cramps that she's having. Are you going to accuse my kid of possessing drugs? Y'all better have some money in your pension funds. I, ho- I know you do because that pension fund better be fat with that lawsuit that you'll be getting from me because you're not about to rip my life, nor my kid's life apart with some systemic, with added facets of systemic racism. This is systemic racism. Nobody in Rockford, Michigan is, gets pulled over. Nobody in Midland, Michigan gets pulled over. Matter of fact, these were the very same people who marched on the Capitol demanding that the lockdown be lifted because the coronavirus was not affecting their communities. It was only affecting the black people. So let the black people pay for it so they can go on and have a drink, go to the bar, go hunting, go shooting, and go get a haircut. These are the same people who sponsored this bill. So laws don't affect them in their perception of life. Laws and the imposition of laws on their ability to work or do what they want to do does not affect them. When they went and marched, they lifted the lockdown. The governor listened. She succumbed to their pressure and lifted the lockdown. Here she is over here. She ain't succumbing to any pressure from the black community. The black community ain't putting no pressure on her. She signed a bill into law that gives the police more power who already are driving behind you suspecting something. Then they tell you that your vehicle, when they pull you over that your vehicle, they receive reports that your vehicle was seen and you're under suspicion for stuff. I'm not going to be a prisoner in my home and I am not going to live in fear. I am not about to. Because somebody will pay for this. This is ridiculous and this bill needs to go. And I, at some point, I'm going to reach out to the senator and he's going to say, well, in our community, we have... And I'm going to say, well, tell your local city council to pass that in your local city council. Don't make it a statewide bill, statewide bill that is going to have systemic application for the systemic application of racism to be invoked on communities in Pontiac, Michigan, Grand Rapids, black communities in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan, Flint, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. No to the no, no to the no, 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 no. And people need to be aware of this because Governor Whitmer is under consideration to be a vice president and a running mate with with Vice President Biden. She needs to be accountable just like white people marched on Lansing and she lifted restrictions and lifted lockdown. She needs to be accountable to the black community for bills that are going to be passed that target black Americans. Man, this is the craziest thing I have ever heard. I, I, I couldn't believe this when I was reading this a couple days ago. I was like, you've blown my natural born mind. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I want to say, well, you know, try to get into their thinking. Whenever leaders say something, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't care what side they're on, Republican or Democrat. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I want to hear what their thinking is. So I'm trying to understand why is this apropos now? Why in the mechanism of, in the context of what we're dealing with racially, the mechanics of this, the application of this is going to specifically target black communities in Muskega, black communities in Benton Harbor, black communities, Saginaw, Flint, GR, and it's just going to fill up the prisons in Batlax, Michigan. That what you want, right? That's where this is going. Just keep filling the prisons up to keep the prison for profit system going. It's not enough now because now the spotlight is on traffic stops and how traffic stops has caused so much negative interaction between the police and the black community that people are being killed for traffic stops. So now you're going to put introduce another mechanism that gives the police the right to now just go lock people up for taking codeine and Tylenol 800. Because these, and antidepressants, these things are going to show up. They're drugs. They're controlled substances. Antidepressants require a prescription. Some painkillers require a prescription. That's what this is all about. People are taking OxyContin out here. They're going to show up here. No, the WWJ News reporter, when they reached out to the state police, they said people won't be pulled over at random. And you and I are rolling our eyes like, who are you kidding? Since when has any encounter not been random? Since when? Since when has it not been? Like, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. Understand me, police. I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. I want to Say you have to fight crime and we engage with you to fight crime. But I can't engage with you on this. Because this right here is wrong on every level. Because you're only going to target one group of people. Uh, I run a foundation for human trafficking victims. And um, one of my donors uh, called me about... Four months ago and she had a problem. Her son, her grandson got caught up in some pill pushing activities at school. And he told his grandmother that the pills are being distributed on the school bus, that the girls are bringing the pills on the school bus. I can't tell you what school district they live in. I'll just tell you they're white. And I said to her, but how, how is he at 17 having access to all these pills? And he said, the pills are like candy. That's what he told his grandma. He has an addiction to opioids at 17. And that the addiction rate is rampant because the pills are readily available. And I said to her, what do you want me to do? And she said, no, I just want you to listen. I'm just venting because my 17-year-old grandson is addicted before he even got started. I kid you not. I kid you not. Can you believe that? I was so heartbroken for her because she said, Harriet, I don't know what to do. My grandson is 17. What do I do? addicted. So we talked about, you know, I said to her, well, first, you know, because he's still in school, we have to go through the counselor, take him to a therapist and start the process where we find a way to start getting him off the drugs and to get him off before he loses his life and before he loses his whole future. Now I'm saying that because I, I understand that she, she was upset and mad, but she couldn't blame anybody because typically the people who, when it's marijuana and, and cocaine, they want to blame black people for distributing it. And they want to blame brown people for distributing it. But these are opioids. These are their kids who are coming on the bus, on the school buses, in the suburban areas with pills. They're not getting stopped. They're not getting pulled over. They're not getting hassled. Many white parents are wondering how did drugs get in. The first place they go is go down to the school and say it must be that black kid who has it. And the kids are laughing because the people who are distributing it are the ones sitting right in front of them. They're the principal's daughter, the fireman's daughter, the mayor's daughter, the fire chief's daughter. Those are the people who are distributing the pills. But the police are not policing those communities. Here we are with a live range scenario. I could tell you what school district, but I'm not going to. Right, But instead of going after those communities and targeting those, you target minorities. And we know that. So no amount of word kissing or messaging. And I just want to know the people around the governor, some of whom are black. When you sit down in these policy meetings, what do you do when you hear this kind of rhetoric? When you hear this kind of law being passed, do you not ask Do you not have an input or are you so afraid you think that as long as you're here, it won't apply to you? Well, what about your family members who live in Muskegon and Pontiac and Benton Harbor? What about your family members who live in Grand Rapids and Saginaw and Flint and Detroit? What about those family members, your black family members whom you are related to by blood, you sit in these meetings and hear these laws, do you not say anything? Do you not raise the standard by asking questions and asking for impositions and modifications to what people think? People are incensed that their kids are taking opioids and they want to blame somebody except blame themselves for their own addictive tendencies that brought those pills into their homes. They don't want to blame themselves that their carelessness because they're so vapid. They have no purpose in life that they sit down and take antidepressants. You know how many times I've gone to the doctor and they've recommended antidepressants. What the hell? I'm not taking addictive substances. I find my own way out. I go and talk to somebody. I pick up a book called the Bible and I read it and I encourage myself. They don't want to take those kinds of methods. So they blame others, and now they use the police as usual to go and lock up black people who have nothing to do with their opioid addiction that's what this is because this is going to find people who are taking opioids that's a blanket thing. they say, oh, we're only looking for marijuana, and they kind of say that tongue in cheek they're really looking for opioids, but the end of it at the end of the day, they're going to pull over people. Who have taken codeine or taking Tylenol 800 or antidepressants. It's just going to tell you it's a drug because these kinds of drugs are controlled substances. So they have a range of reading that will tell them it's some kind of substances. Then they send it to a lab to state the specific. But by then you're locked up. Your life is destroyed. So what is this? So I can't take a headache pill? and go pick up my kid. I can't take a headache pill and drive to my boyfriend's house. I can't take a headache pill and drive to my friend's house. I can't take a headache pill or a pill because I'm recovering from some surgery. And I can't take a pill and go be with family and drive because I live in a police state. Do you see what I'm saying? This is why we refer to it as systemic racism because it's system-wide. And it has broad-based applications to your life. It exists and it's subtle and it's insidious and you don't know it is there until you get caught up in it. So I want to, again, I'm going to pose the question to the black people whom the governor surrounds herself with to say, Hey, I'm friendly. I'm black friendly. I love black people. You were all sitting in there when this was being discussed. You didn't have anything to say. You just want to accept your glorified position. Baby, understand how power works. Let me help you. They have you there because you're a token. You know that, right? Okay. So you accept that. Okay. The next thing is, They're only going to expose you to what they want you to be exposed to. So when the real things are happening, you're not even privy to it. You're not there at five o'clock in the morning when they sit down and discuss this crap. You're not there when they show up at 12 midnight. You are not there. You are not there when they call each other and discuss what they're going to do about this. You are not there. Trust me on that. They know exactly how to control what you have access to. So get that clearly in your heads. And stop saying, well, I am the only black amongst them. You, you all like to say that. It's ridiculous. Stop it. If you're not, if your position there, if your position there is not altering this law and the conversation about this, you're not effective. So you don't need to. You actually don't exist. When they want to reach out to the blacks, They call you. That's your purpose. But when they're going to write legislation that impacts the blacks, you don't hear about it. You're not included in that conversation. But then you all go for a photo op and smile and think that means you're inclusive. You see, this is why that Martin Luther King is dead. He understood that clearly. He knew that messaging. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and the rest of them, they know exactly what was going on. They didn't play around with it. And here you are, thinking you have won. I don't know that you need to wake up because I don't know what it's going to take, a sonic boom for you to wake up. What would it take for you to have said, you that, that's broad-based, that's systemic abuse right there. You're afraid to speak up. They have something on you and go find out what else they have on everybody else. They have stuff on everybody. The FBI knows the day my grandmother was born and the hour when she was born. Let me just help you out. They know everything about everybody. Okay? That's no secret. So they know about your family members who have been to battle acts <laughs> and I don't know how this legislation even came to be passed because the opioid addiction in Northern Michigan is so strong. I'm surprised they let this pass because a lot of their own family members are going to be pulled over if the state police really does it as they say they will. So that what that tells me is more intimidation on Michigan's freeways and highways, more intimidation as you go about the business of living. So you're driving through Detroit on I-94. You're driving on I-94 because the state police polices the freeways and the highways, right? So you're driving through on I-75 or I-96. You are liable to get stopped and be tested. So I just took a headache pill because I just left my friend's house. And I'm coming from, let's say I'm coming from Lansing and I'm taking I-96. I have a ways to go. I have 88 miles to drive to Detroit. 88 miles of freeway. And they the blue lights pull up. The, the state police are the red lights. They're going to pull up. They don't even make sound. Do they make sound? Their sirens don't make sound. Y'all are laughing, right? They pull up. And I just took a headache pill. Because, you know, in Michigan, we have that barometric pressure thing going on. When the seasons change, fall, we we can tell by the headaches that it's going to be a temperature change. People have migraines and take pills for that. So you're going to swab me and say, well, we got to go take you in while we test this drug to see what it is because our readings is not telling us what it is. It could be cocaine. I've never even seen cocaine in my life. Yeah, I've seen it on TV, in in documentaries. But you're going to import on my personality, on my reputation, on my integrity, on my life. And rob me of my ability to live freely. This is intimidation. And shame on you all for doing it. Shame on all of you who sat down and crafted this legislation and pushed it through. Shame on the Black Caucus from Detroit who let this happen. Shame on all of you. All the black caucuses in the state house legislature, whether you come from Grand Rapids or whether you come from the Flint Saginaw Valley area or in Detroit, shame on you all for letting this legislation pass. It's a crying shame and I hope some of you get pulled over in this foolishness and then you will understand it. You can't never agree to stuff like this because it has broad based application And the broad-based application is what makes it system-wide. You can't ever not object to it. Raise so much objection that it becomes stink that everybody has to say. Have a say in it. The governor signed this into law. It now has become amended. So the Michigan Vehicle Code has been amended to include this. I don't care if it's good for 10 days. One day is too much. In other words, what I'm saying is since racism is systemic and system-wide, I want the oppression and the relief of the oppression of it to be system-wide. I want the remedy to be system-wide and to be systemic in its application and relief provisions. I want it to be that. I want to hear this being repealed. And I want to see that when the tests come forth, Michigan State Police, that you have tested people in Rockford, you have tested people in Midland, and all the towns headed straight up to Traverse City. That's where this testing needs to happen, because what you're really looking for are opioids. You ain't looking for drugs, because you know marijuana and crack exist already. So what is this, a crackdown? So I'm gonna see this on nine mile and eight mile and on I-75 at nine mile, I-94 at MAC, yeah? On the east side further placing more and more, more and more oppression on communities of color. It's like people say sometimes they can't get a break. They're like, I can't get a break. I can't get out of it. I can't get some kind of relief. And I'm like, no, the system does work. You you, you know, if you try it this way, go around it this way. Now what I, what can I say? You're poor placing more and more burdens on an already oppressive system that is in operation, that you have given more tactics to execute more oppression, more racist tendencies on black people and black communities. I'm not going to say communities of color, I'm just going to call it what it is. When I see the rates of incarceration <laughs> for more brown people going up, then I'll talk about that. Right now, we're the ones whose necks are being knelt on in streets. We're the ones who are getting shot in the back. We're the ones who are dying in police custody. If you all brown people don't speak up, we don't know about what's going on. We, You've got to speak up. And until the system becomes aware at the pressure the pressure has mounted. They will not relent. And are they going to strike back? Then we strike again. We demonstrate more, we protest more, and we talk more about it because we don't live in a police state and the police are not the law and order. They're enforcers. They're not the law and order. They're subject. We live in a democratic system. Sometimes I think we forget that. We live in a democratic system where the police are required to be bound by codes of operation, don't they? They operate under city charters. Well, those city charters were written by someone and they should be amended. They need to be. I'm going to say this one more time. The Detroit police does something called neighborhood policing. Y'all need to go check it out. Go talk to them. There must be a reason why the citizens of Detroit will call the police, and when the police come out, they run to the police. They don't run from. They run to them. If there's an altercation happening and they call the police, the citizens run to the police. They don't run from. There must be a reason. We need to have that kind of engagement. Then you know you are effective. You saw the Rachel Brooks uh, uh, arrest playing out on video in live and living color. There are so many things wrong with that, it's, quanti- it's unquantifiable. The end result is that he was shot in the back. There were so many opportunities for the officer not just to de escalate, but to send the man home. Do you know his sister's house was actually up the street? You could have just told him to walk. Say, so you know what, just walk up there. End of story, end of watch. Boom, done. It could have ended just like that. There were so many opportunities. But no, this cop got his little white man ego in the way. And his little ego would not let this black man who was driving a car get away. Most cops drive pickup trucks. They're the ones who intimidate me on the freeways. I swear to God. Driving pickup, pickup truck drivers are some of the most addressed people, drivers on the freeways. Right? My daughter was city attorney for a firm uh, in East Point, Michigan. And I, sw- I used to tell her when I used to drop her off in the mornings, I'm like, You literally are coming into the police station. <laughs> right? And I'm like, They know who I am and they know who you are. She got fired because she wasn't doing as many lockups as they wanted to. They oppressed the people with traffic stops. People's driver's licenses were suspended. And after a while, it becomes a felony. So it starts off with something like you missed a court date. Then they send out an arrest warrant that becomes a criminal record. It was just unbelievable when she started telling me, I said, this is how it starts. She's black. They didn't want her there because that's how they make their money. They don't care if you get locked up. They don't care if you lose your life and your freedom or if your job requires that you not have a criminal record. They fired her because she was just not signing away so many arrests. She wasn't signing away on so many people getting locked up and she was making deals. Do you see what this is all about? That's what this is all about. There is a system called the prison for profit system and the police are very involved in it. They're the enforcers of that system. It's their job to gather all the black and brown bodies and make sure they go into the system. That's what this is. This is a part of that. And when we raise our voices in dissension, we are shut down and targeted. They're gonna target me forever cause I'm not gonna shut up. Cause this right here, I ain't signing off on that. I can't sanction that. There are too many innocent people who are gonna be caught up in this. You wanna find the real drug pushers? Go do the policing. Go send young people to go out on those school buses Send young people into the high schools and you're going to be surprised, middle schools, to find out who the real drug pushers are. It's not me and it's not black people. In your communities where opioids exist, go do the policing. But I'm going to be driving down the street and you're going to swap me and find some drugs and it's going to be okay. It's not okay, Governor Whitmer. I am so disappointed, but you don't care about my disappointment. You care about the people who are funding you. That's who you care about. And so the only recourse I have is to bring it to the people who will vote. So that when they go to make a decision about voting, they know what side, what they're voting for. People need to know who they're voting for. What do they believe? Because you signed this bill under the sly on the very same people who wrote a song about you glorifying you, and you sign a bill that is going to put more of them in jail. Shameful. And all of you who sit around the governor and say, well, I'm here, I'm occupying this space, and I am the only black face in this space, you ain't doing jack, because she still signed the darn bill right in front of you. And you all didn't raise any objection, because you were intimidated. You didn't say anything. You didn't say, let's not do it that way. Whatever dissuasion tactics you could have used. The end result is the bill got signed. Mm -hmm. I know it's law. And we're going to see more black bodies in jail because they took codeine. You know who it targeted. If they said marijuana, there are more marijuana dispensaries in Detroit than anywhere else. Who on God's green earth was not going to target, darling? Who else was it going to target? And you sat there and smiled and think you're doing something. Let me ask you this one question before I go. Your ancestors were beaten, raped, murdered, pillaged, and robbed of their 40 acres and a mule for you to sit in the space you occupy and smile. That's your role? You really think so? I want you to think about that. And I hope when you go to bed tonight, or whenever you hear this broadcast, that you think about that. Your ancestors went through living hell for you to smile with the oppressor. My name is Harriet Kamek. Go to my website, HarrietKamek.com, for more information. And buy my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com. This book tells how. Actually, this book also glorified the police if you want to know the truth. Because they came to my rescue when I was going through abuse. So get the book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. I know the police sometimes probably say, well, she wrote about us in her book, so I don't know what she's talking about. Well, dude, you lock up black people, so come on, our black people and shoot them. So come on, get the book, Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, as well as listen to my podcast on Spotify, as well as iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. I'm going to reach out to Governor Whitmer's office, and ask them for their comment, because this too has to go. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday.